2: You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Locked on Cavaliers podcast. I am, as always, Chris Manning, your host and the site manager over at FearTheStore.com. Um, if you weren't already, find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya, Luminary, wherever you get your shows, get Locked on Cavs. Uh, find me on Twitter and Facebook at Rights. The podcast is on all those social media platforms at Locked on Cavs as well. So today's show is a conversation with Orion Sang. he covers University of Michigan Athletics for the free press, the Detroit free press up in Michigan. Um, he's a University of Michigan grad as well. You can find him on Twitter at Orion underscore saying um, he was a really good guest. You'll learn a lot about John Beeline, um, how Orion thinks his offense is going to translate to the NBA. I think we're in a position now where... We're starting to learn quite a bit about Beeline um, as we sort of get into the numbers, get into a whole bunch of other stuff. Those conversations are going to continue to happen. Uh, John Beeline also is finally going to speak to the local media um, in his first official press conference, his introductory press conference on Tuesday, uh, it's at 11 a.m. You'll be able to stream that live at Cavs.com backslash live. I will be there. Uh, I'll be live tweeting some stuff. And then you'll have a podcast on that sometime Tuesday evening when I get home from the day job. So John Beeline talking Tuesday for the first time as Cavs coach. In other Cavs news, they did hire J.B. Bickerstaff as the associate head coach. That has been officially announced by the team as well. I think it's a great move for the team. I think it's a really good move to get Beeline someone who has... And be experienced, someone who has the 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 understanding of what it takes to get through an 82 game season, what it takes for a team to really navigate this, as opposed to the two games we called season. And, and also, Pickerstaff seems to be liked by the guys he coached up in um, Memphis. So I think that is a I think the right hire. I think it's a good pairing with Beeline. He seems again to be coming in with no ego into all of this, which is I think a really good sign. But I think the Cavs are doing a lot of smart stuff so far. So we'll see what Kobe and we'll see what John say on Tuesday. That's Kobe Altman, jumpy line. But it's starting to pick up a little bit. Business is picking up. Uh, they're obviously picking fifth. They have about a month until the draft. Uh, literally a month from yesterday. And this next month is going to be a pretty pivotal month for the Cavs. But uh, now you're going to hear me on Orion saying and talking about John line uh, from a whole bunch of angles. But also want to let you know that today's podcast has a bunch of great sponsors. First, hotels.com. Today's show is brought to you by, in part, by hotels.com. Don't hate your don't hate like your friends trip. Book your own with hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Today's show is also brought to you by Untuck It. Dads come in all shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts. Like tall, short, slim, and relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual untucked look that isn't sloppy. So that's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code MBA, get 20% off. And lastly, today's show is brought to you by grip 6 Belt. GRIP6 belts are literally the best belt. That is their goal. That is their goal to make the best belt that has ever been made. GRIP6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, and even moms and wives. Check out their women's collection. It's an ultra lightweight product with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super comfortable. GRIP6 is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. GRIP6 has a special offer for you right now at GRIP6.com backslash LOCK. That's L-O-C-K-E. But without further ado, here is today's conversation with Orion Sang Again, John Beeline, 11 a.m. talking in Cleveland. We'll have a full recap of love at Fear the Sword and on Locked on Cavs. Talk to you tomorrow.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama.
1: Joining me now is Orion Sang. He's a reporter for the Free Press. Uh, covers Michigan. Went to Michigan as well. How's it going, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. So you we we touched on this as we were kinda chatting before we started recording, but um this was a move that I think in my world, covering the NBA, covering the Cavs, came out of nowhere. This was a, a move that um, his name was not one we had heard linked to the Cavs' job, to an NBA job this year. Of course, people know he was, you know, interviewed for the Pistons' job and and everything last year. But for you, when you looked at this covering Michigan and what be, beeline jumping at this point, how how surprising was that to you?
2: Yeah. So, so the the timing of the move and maybe the team itself were, were surprising. But him leaving for the NBA it, isn't that shocking. Um, and for, former players said this as well. But well, based on what happened last year, and, and he was also on the Detroit Pistons list back in 2014, um, this is something that I think he's always wanted to try. Um, not not always, I guess. I'll, I'll backtrack there. This is something I think he's wanted to try um, and then something he's thought about in recent years. And I think he's always uh, – he, he's wanted to give the NBA a shot and, and this was a really good opportunity for him to do so. Um, it's close to Ann Arbor, which is where he said his wife, Kathleen, and, and his grandkids will stay. Uh, he's working with Mike Danzy, who he described as like a son to him. Um, that was a guy he coached at West Virginia. So it, it's just a, it's a good fit for him. He's always been the type of guy who likes to come in and rebuild programs. And he'll be rebuilding the Cavs. Um, so it's a good fit for him, and, and the move, I guess, isn't that shocking. I guess I'll say the timing is.
1: So he, you were in Chicago, where he obviously was for the draft lottery, and, and then the combine. Um, you know, I, I you, people can go back to your to your Twitter feed and, and take a look at some of the things he said and you wrote about it as well. But w- in terms of what he actually said about the move, did you feel like you learned anything significant from what he said in Chicago?
2: Um, yeah, I, I guess. It, it didn't take them that long to make a decision. Um, I, he said this was the right thing to do, um, and so that I guess hints at this has been an ongoing desire for him to coach the NBA. and and this also squares with our perception of him as a pure coach because he said um, he wanted a chance to coach basketball uh, at the NBA. and uh, he's an ex, he's known as an X's and old guy, and he won't he won't really say this. He hasn't said it publicly, at least, but. The sense is that some of the other stuff in college basketball, like the recruiting, um, dealing with all that other stuff, really, uh, I guess, wasn't something that he necessarily wanted to keep doing, maybe. Um, but I think I think, it, uh, I think he'll do well at the NBA level in terms of scheme. Actually, my biggest question uh, would be how would he adjust to NBA personalities going forward?
1: So when you look at him as a guy interacting with college players, interacting, kind of being like the the, the head of that that family, that organization, what is he like as a coach? Like what is he like in relating to college players and and leading them? Um, it, it seems like he's pretty well liked, and he seems like his the way he runs his offense empowers guys. But what is he like in that environment where he's you know currently leading like a bunch of guys that he's he's personally recruited and brought in to fit what he does?
2: Yeah. So so we talked to Ignas Brazdeikis the combine and someone asked him if he would describe you as his father figure and and brad said no he wouldn't um but he would give beyond a lot of credit in, in his development and his success at michigan i think that's the best way to put it is that he's not necessarily like a father figure type to, to most of his players but he is a teacher he's, he's a mentor um and, and players love him because he gets them to play to their full ability at, at in college he gets them to the next level i think that's where the admiration comes from is he's a teacher he knows how to get the most out of his players.
1: So what what is it about him? Is it? I think we'll get into his scheme and what. And you mentioned that you think he'll do well. We'll get into that. But what do you think he, as a person, like? What do you think it is about him as a coach that allows him to get a lot of the guys? You can look at the list, right? And there's a bunch of guys like Trey Burke and Nick Stauskas, and you go down the list of guys that were not top 100 recruits that made it to the NBA. So what is it about him that seems to, in terms of a personality, bring the best out of guys?
2: I think part of it is his development. Um, I don't know if anyone would have predicted what Trey Burke did at Michigan. Um, He was basically, I mean, he was a nation's top player his sophomore year, and and coming out of high school, at one point he was coming to Penn State. Um, So b did a really good job in getting Trey Burke to be a really good ball handler, creator, distributor, but he was also really good at attacking rims. Um, he was able to hit shots off the dribble, and I think a lot of that goes to development. The same thing goes with Karis LeVert and Nick Stoskis, because Karis LeVert was a, a 5% plus three-point shooter his second year at Michigan as a sophomore, and he barely played as a freshman. He was like a, a bench guy, and his sophomore year, he broke out. His last few years, he was injured, but his sophomore year was really the year where he sort of became a star. Um, Stoskis, um, his first year at Michigan, he was basically just a shooter, and his sophomore year, he became this guy who could work off of ball screens, the drive he create for others became a more complete offensive player. Um, so I think Bland's involvement um, is definitely shown in a number of guys he's taken from relatively unknown and unheralded recruits to NBA lottery picks, NBA first round draft picks.
1: What is, What is he like um, in terms of a game day? Like obviously, you don't you as a, when you're covering a college team like the the split playing schedule is different. I don't know how often you know he would hold media availability, but there's less of a day to day. Grind that there is an NBA, What is he like in terms of of you know games? Like in terms of how he reacts to them, how he how he will react to a big win or a big loss? Like what what is just the general like m- a sort of approach and mood of, of a John B line?
2: Uh, he, he, I guess he uses every loss as a, as a teaching point, really, and it goes back to him just being a teacher. He's never really too too down after losses. He he just sort of explains what goes on, what what went wrong and he says um, he'll use it, and he'll use it with his team uh, to get right the next time around. Um, After Wins, it's the same thing. He never really gets too high. He's not too emotional after Wins. Um, He just talks about what the team needs to do the next time around. So I think he's very grounded when it comes to that sense.
1: So, okay, let's get into the scheme. You mentioned that you think his scheme will fit the NBA, um, that you think it'll be something that that should work. I think there will be some adaptments of it, certainly, because the court's just different size, the pace of play's a little different, etc. But what about what he does do you think will will translate? And just for people that maybe aren't familiar with what Beeline does, describe what his scheme, just the basic things that he likes to do are.
2: Yeah, so basically um, he's evolved over the years. But what he currently does is he runs a really ball-screen heavy offense. And everything is initiated by the point guard, Xavier Simpson. Um, he had really high usage last year for Michigan. And, and I, I guess to explain some of Simpson's uh, strengths and weaknesses. He's not a really good three-point shooter. Um, he's not a volume three-point shooter. and He's not efficient on his make, on his attempts. Um, but what he is, is he does have really good vision. And then Michigan played to his strengths by running a lot of high ball screens. Um, and when teams hedged, Simpson tore him apart. Uh, when teams switched, Michigan struggled a lot this past season. Um, I guess the part that translates to NBA is, is the usage of ball screens. I'm not the biggest NBA guy, but when I do watch, I notice you know there's always ball screen. It seems like that's a heavy part of NBA offenses. So I think that's that's part of why I said that I think his team will translate because what he does is just similar to what NBA teams have been doing. He also likes to spread the floor. Um, he had Mo Wagner as a as a five last year when they went to the title game, um, and Mo, as you know, is a is a stretch five. Uh, he's had other guys uh, in the past, but. Mark Danell comes to mind, but none really were like Mo and being able to stretch the floor. And I think in NBA, um, I look at the roster, I see Kevin Love the a guy who could maybe play a huge role in, in Deion's offense with Cleveland.
1: When you look at him um, in terms of personalities, it's something that I think is a really interesting question because NBA players are different. Like they have more, they're a they're just making more money, and I think that brings a certain level of difference. Like they're guys that have a little bit more autonomy for them for themselves. Kevin Love, Jordan Clarkson, these are guys that have been NBA players, successful in their own ways, and, and independent in some ways. How did I, I know like Brzeecus is a guy that had like a bit of a spunk to him that other guys might not have, but how has he dealt with like personalities that maybe aren't like exactly like just kind of towing the line or, and that's maybe an unfair way to, to frame it, but like how does he interact with guys that maybe have that, that little bit of personality or, or have that sense of autonomy on themselves in some way?
2: Right. so he's been more open with it um, recently. This past team had David Simpson, um, they had Jordan Poole. And, and as you mentioned, they had Inglis Brasdakis. Um, I, I think he's evolved to the point where he's not as maybe, as, as, I guess, stubborn as he used to be. Um, he would let Brasdakis celebrate, cool, um, play pretty freely at times. Uh, Simpson, he, he basically handed control of the offense to Simpson. And, but I still think he likes to do things his way. I think there was one moment I remember. Um, it was at Michigan State this year, and he lost. And Michigan State was on a huge run. And uh, Beeline called for a timeout, and Simpson sort of walked the ball over to the sidelines, and it looked like he was going to call the timeout, and then he just took off towards the rim. And he actually got an open three out of it, but Michigan missed a three, and then eventually Beeline got the timeout called, Um, but he was pissed about that, he was definitely frustrated with that. so I guess that that would be probably the best way to sum it up. He's, he's less stubborn than he used to be, but he still likes to do things his way.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA.
1: what what do you what do you think of as his the biggest obstacles for him being a successful head coach um it's it seems like he is coming into this with no ego and like is you know letting jb bickerstaff come in and be his assistant seems like at least they're spinning it as he courted that guy so what what do you see would seem to be the the big obstacles he might face in that tra- in that transition because this will be the first time he's coaching the NBA. he's never been in the assistant before quite famously
2: yeah yeah i think it's if- what we touched upon, um, I think it's just adjusting to NBA players and, and how to coach them. Um, it's different from college players. He, I mean, he, In college, he handpicked every single player on his roster. In the NBA, that's not going to happen. So I think it's getting used to, to developing relationships with players, which he says he's trying to do um, and has started to do, um, and, and making sure they trust him and have that that, st- uh, that strong bond that's necessary to win for the next level. I think, also think he'll need help from the front office. I look at the roster, I'm not really sure um where the Cavs are going to go from here but it seems like it's a pretty fairing roster um young but but need some more pieces so i guess that would be my answer
1: based on what you know about the guys on the Cavs roster and obviously you mentioned you're more of a college guy and an nba guy right now but when you look at that roster are there any guys that like strike you as guys that would seem to fit B line's what B Line likes in players and and is there anyone in this draft class that we have coming up uh, the Cavs obviously picking number five that strikes you as a guy that that would fit what he does
2: yeah, so I think um, based on what I saw from Colin Sexton, and it wasn't too much, but um, it seemed like over the second half of the season, he was a much improved player, and his three-point shooting improved greatly. So I think if, if you get the version of Colin Sexton that's like a 40% three-point shooter, which I think is around where he finished the year at, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that seems like the type of point guard that would work well in New on offense he can create. He's pretty explosive. Um, he's a good shooter. I, I would, I would, I guess, things that turn out differently looking at the draft I would have said someone like Darius Garland maybe would have been a good fit there or maybe even Colby White but I think Sexton proved that he can he has some potential I think they'll probably work with him um looking at other names uh Cam Reddish seems like a guy that might work there um I guess DeAndre Hunter too both of them can shoot um Reddish has some potential and I think beyond would, would relish the opportunity to develop guys who seem like they still have a lot of untapped potential, especially when it comes to Reddish. But those are some names that just stick out to me, I guess.
1: So, what about Reddish, and Hunter? I think obviously the appeal of him being like a three and D guy is there. And Reddish obviously played, you know, at Duke with RJ Barrett and Zion. What about mm-hmm. what Reddish is as a prospect and sort of what we've seen from him? Um, do you think Fitz would be like likes to do? Like, is there like a, a type of role that he could sort of might try to like would slide a guy like Reddish into? Yeah, I mean, I think
2: the, I think the spot there would be if, if they got reddish, maybe they'd be able to turn him into to more of a ball handler, uh, more of a creator. I think he didn't really do much at Duke, but I still think he has a, real, a lot of potential. Um, his shooting stroke was inconsistent, but I mean, it, it did seem fine to me like there weren't any it didn't seem like there were technical issues in it. Um, I think maybe they could look to improve that. And he's also just a really talented athlete as well. So I think all of those things play in favor. Um, and he'll also be there at, at five, I figure. So yeah. um, the type of prospect I think that he would be interested in, this is just my speculation, of course, but they're, I, I feel like they're, they're in a decent spot at five. Obviously, you're not going to get Zion Williamson or, or John Morant um, or or R.J. Barrett probably, but there's a lot of guys I think that he would be intrigued in.
1: Um, when you look at the the guys from Michigan that will be in this draft, I think, is, is, it, is it? correct me if I'm wrong, it's Jordan Poole and, and, and Brzeekes are the two guys in the draft, Correct.
2: Yeah, so there's, there's three. There's Brad Dacus, uh, Jordan Poole, and Charles Matthews. Um, nice. and, and those guys, yeah, so so those guys, uh, I guess Brad Dacus is maybe in play at 26. Um, he's more of a late first to second round type of guy. Jordan Poole is, is late second. Charles Matthews is late second as well. Um, I'm not sure what the odds are that any of the three will reunite with b At the very least, I, I'm guessing that a couple of them, maybe all of them would work out with the Cavs um, because of the familiarity there but they're definitely not in play at five and maybe maybe brazakis would be in play at 26 and I don't know about the other two in the second round. It's it's pretty tough to, to look ahead of that stuff now, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. But I, I'm curious if, like, he had, like, a certain attachment to any of those guys. If there's, like, a guy that, like, he – like, was he – like, I you know this guy. Coaches seem to have guys they really like for whatever reason. Was he, like, a particular fan of any of those three guys in a way that would, like, you'd think, okay, he might try to nab him as, like, a second-round pick or, or maybe Brzeekis at 26, like you mentioned. Like, is the or is any of those guys, like, were they quintessential beeline guys last year for Michigan?
2: Um, I to, to answer that question, I think I'd probably say Matthews would be the closest fit. Um, Matthews signed with Kentucky at a high school. Um, and he played a year, then he transferred. Uh, Michigan went after him hard and, and signed him. Um, and he sat out a year. And in the past two years, he was a, a key player on, on the past two teams. Um, and, and Beeline and him have a, have a pretty good relationship, pretty tight relationship. Uh, Matthews has given Beeline a lot of credit for helping them grow both on and off the court. So if I had to pick one of the three, it'd probably be Matthews because he has the most familiarity with D-line. He's been there the longest and know each other the longest compared to the other two. But I don't know if you would make a decision to pick players or advocate for a decision to pick players based on who he's tight with. I think he, he's the type of coach that would that would I guess look for the best fit for a team, regardless of whether he knows a player or not. So the other thing is he does he, he does have this unique aspect in that he's. He's actually recruited a decent amount of the guys in the draft this year. Obviously, I've seen them play in AU. When I talked to him um, at the combine, we were chatting a little bit, um, and he mentioned that he had he's seen Simi Shitu play before, he's seen Chris Folks play before, hosted um, Chris Folks for a visit. Like he, he knows some of these guys around the country that are in a draft this year so I think that's interesting Um, something to
1: look for I guess yeah no and I wonder what he thinks of I mean he might know like having watched Reddish a thought I wonder if he like feels like that's that's, that's the guy that seems like his stock is down right now but I wonder maybe beeline and his desire to coach guys up that that kind of fits there um Let's just, we'll wrap this up. Kind of looking at the Michigan side of this. What has the reaction been like in Ann Arbor to him leaving? It seems like it caught some people off guard. Um, but what has it been like post him leaving? Now that they you know they don't have a coach yet, it seems like their that list of candidates is starting to come. But what has it been like post John Beeline in Ann Arbor?
2: I, I mean, he's the winningest um, winningest coach in program history. So I guess f- from that you can sort of. Imagine the type of reaction that that those men ever had. Um, but he's irreplaceable, quite simply. Uh, he he came to Ann Arbor at a time when Michigan basketball was really down and had been for basically over a decade, and then he sort of revived the program. Um, so he was a clean coach, and obviously, you know, Michigan has some history with getting in trouble. Um, he's a clean coach, developed man, didn't have any problems with the team off the court, and he won a lot. So he, he's he's essentially probably. I guess you can call them legends legend at Michigan, and um, it's going to be hard for him to find someone to replace him because he's just irreplaceable.
1: Does it does it feel like there? Because he obviously made Final Fours, never won a title, but do, does it feel like like he? Do you, in your mind, do you feel like he? His legacy at Michigan, just because of how many how he turned around the program and stuff, is it just secure? Like, is it just like, aside from the national title, did he kind of do everything he possibly could have done there?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at Michigan basketball, it wasn't really talked about um, when he arrived there. Um, it had come, kind of fallen by the wayside in terms of reputation and, and production. Um, and, and now you look at Michigan, getting, I describe it as a national brand, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, he's brought it back, he's resurrected it. They've been really competitive, they've won a lot of games. Um, so he's left quite the legacy at Michigan.
1: Wrap it up on this. Uh, Friday, or Tuesday, excuse me, because I don't know what date is at this point. Uh, John Beeline will make his uh, first quote-unquote officially obviously talked to you and other people in Chicago, but he's going to have his introductory press conference in Cleveland on Tuesday. Um, what would you What would you just say are some of the – you, are you expecting him to like – are there any specific things like that you, he hasn't talked about yet that you kind of want to see what he has to say in, in regards to, you know, why he left or him taking the job? Is there anything you feel like will be interesting to see what he has to say about it on Tuesday?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd be more interested in, in hearing what specifically – if there's anything at the college game or about the college game that, that led him to to maybe leave. Um, Obviously you talked about, you know, the situation in Cleveland and and how that was a draw, but I'm curious to see if anyone asks him about, you know, recruiting and, and, you know, the crushers handle, if that was part of the reason that, that why he left college basketball for the NBA. And I don't think he'd, to be honest, I don't, I, I don't think he'd answer it, but I mean, he said he doesn't really want to talk about that. Um, So we'll see. But I'd be curious to hear what his thoughts are on that topic.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting just because I think there's like a lot of stuff he could get asked about. Kobe Altman, the Cavs GM will be there as well. I think there's just like a lot of um, interesting things that, that should come out of this because it'll be the first time they've spoken in a, this very sort of public way where it'll be super accessible. It's probably the last time you'd think they'd be accessible before uh, the draft. So I think it'll just be an interesting day and Beeline, I think that that's kind of one of the questions that should be top of people's list to see what he has to say is about why he left. Um, but. Thanks again to Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. Find him on Twitter at Orion underscore Sang. Again, thanks to Hotels.com, Untuckit, and Grip6Belts for sponsoring today's show. And be sure to check out the links to those great partners for the Lockdown Podcast Network in the the show notes below. Again, back tomorrow recapping what John Beeline has to say today um, in Cleveland in his first media availability with the local media. It should be an interesting day. Have a great Tuesday. This has been Locked on Cast for May 21st. I'm Chris Manning. Talk to you tomorrow.
0: Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.